If your happily ever after is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sill. With a money-back guarantee, it's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed my life. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sill, like silicon. Go to sierrasill.com and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. We love that you come here to relax and to let me help you drift into sweet dreams. Tonight with Cinderlad and the Princess on the Glass Hill. You've heard of Cinderella, but meet Cinderlad, and I think by the title, you're also going to know who he meets. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. First, I want to thank Envy Pillow, a Canadian company built on integrity that first gained national attention when its founders, two RNs named Kim and Kathy, went on TV's Dragon's Den and wowed them. But these two decided to go it on their own. Now, if you go to envypillow.com, you'll see the amazing array of quality and antimicrobial products they offer. Use the code DRIFT to earn 10% off anything you choose. That's envypillow.com and sleep with the best. Now, before we get to Cinderlad and the Princess on the Glass Hill, Let's take a few deep breaths together as you get set to drift off. We'll start with a big inhale and out. Great. And we'll do it again, this time consciously dropping our shoulders, releasing their hold. Ready? In and out. Now to just start at your feet, and if you're able, swivel them at the ankles. Now, other direction. If you can, move up and clench your calves, holding and releasing. Now do the same with your thighs and backside. Clench and let go. Letting your body sink into whatever recliner, your bed, your airline or train seat, wherever you are. Now to your belly. Here, just take another big breath and fill your chest and your tummy. Now exhale and relax. Keeping your shoulders down, let's move to your arms and hands. Clench your fists, and now relax. And finally, to your face. Let your jaw hang limp. No more tightening there. No need to be careful with your words. Now relax your eyes. Close them heavily. Your eyebrows. Let them drop. And just let your neck release its hold and your head rest heavy on your pillow. One more breath in, big and deep. And exhale now. And as you do, 
think these words I am safe I am loved I am at peace and if you're ready let's drift once upon a time there was a man who had a meadow which lay on the side of a mountain and in the meadow there was a barn in which he stored hay but there had not been much hay in the barn for the last two years for every st john's eve june 23rd when the grass was in the height of its vigor it was all eaten clean up as if a whole flock of sheep had gnawed it down to the ground during the night this happened twice but then the man got tired of losing his crop and said to his sons he had three of them and the third was called cinderlad that one of them must go and sleep in the barn on st john's night for it was absurd to let the grass be eaten up again as it had been the last two years and the one who went to watch must keep a sharp lookout the man said the eldest was quite willing to go to the meadow he would watch the grass he said and he would do it so well that neither man nor beast nor even the devil himself should have any of it so when evening came he went to the barn and lay down to sleep but when night was drawing near there was such a rumbling and such an earthquake that the walls and roof shook again and the lad jumped up and took to his heels as fast as he could and never even looked back and that barn well it remained empty that year just as it had been for the last two next st john's eve the man again said that he could not go on in this way losing all the grass in the outlying field year after year and that one of his sons must just go there and watch it and watch it well too so the next oldest son was willing to show what he could do he went to the barn and lay down to sleep as his brother had done but when night was drawing near there was a great rumbling and then an earthquake which was even worse than that on the former st john's night and when the youth heard it he was terrified and went off running the year after it was cinder lad's turn but when he got ready to go the others laughed at him and mocked him well aren't you the one to watch the hay when you've never learned anything but how to sit among the ashes they said cinder lad however did not listen and when evening came he rambled away to the field and lay down in the barn but about an hour later the rumbling and creaking began and it was frightful well if it gets no worse than that i can stand it 
thought Cinder Lad. The creaking began again, and the earth quaked so that all the hay flew around him. Oh, if it gets no worse than that, I can stand it, thought Cinder Lad. But then came a third rumbling and a third earthquake, so violent that the boy thought the walls and roof had fallen down. But when that was over, everything suddenly grew as still as death around him, and everything stayed quiet, and when he had lain still a short time, he heard something that sounded as if a horse were standing chewing just outside the barn door. He crept to the door, which was ajar, to see what was there, and a horse was standing eating. It was so big and fat and fine a horse that Cinder Lad had never seen one like it before, and a saddle and bridle lay upon it, and a complete suit of armor for a knight, and everything was of copper, and so bright that it shone like the sun. Ha-ha! It is you who eats up our hay, then, thought the boy, but I will stop that. So he hurried and took out from his belt the poker he used for striking the fire. He grabbed a nearby rope, tied it to the horse's neck, and threaded it through the handle of the poker, which he dug deep, deep into the hard ground. With this, the horse had no power to stir from the spot and became so tame that the boy could do whatever he liked with it. So he mounted it and rode away to a place which no one knew of but himself, and there he tied it up. When he went home again, his brothers laughed and asked how he had gotten on. You didn't lie long in the barn, did you? said they. I lay in the barn till the sun rose. But I saw nothing and heard nothing. Not I, said the boy. Goodness knows what there was to make you two so frightened. Well, we shall soon see whether you have watched the meadow or not, answered the brothers. But when they got there, the grass was all standing just as long and as thick as it had been the night before. The next St. John's Eve, it was the same thing. Once again, neither of the two brothers dared to go watch the crop, but Cinder Lad went, and everything happened exactly as it had on the previous St. John's Eve. First there was a rumbling and an earthquake, and then there was another, and then a third. But all three earthquakes were much more violent than the year before. Then everything became still again, and the boy heard something chewing outside the barn door. So he crept to the door, which was slightly ajar 
and again there was a horse standing close by the wall of the house, eating and chewing, and it was far larger and fatter than the first horse, and it had a saddle on its back, and a bridle was on it too, and a full suit of armor for a knight, all of bright silver, and as beautiful as anything. Ho, ho, thought the boy. Is it you who eats up our hay in the night? I will put a stop to that. So again he used his fire poker to tie a rope to the horse and keep it in place. And the beast stood there as quiet as a lamb. Then the boy rode this horse too, away to the place where he kept the other, and then went home again. I suppose you'll tell us that you have watched well again this time, said the brothers. Well, so I have. So they went there again, and there was the grass, standing as high and thick as it had been before. But alas, that did not make them any kinder to Cinder Lad. When the third St. John's night came, Neither of the two elder brothers dared to lie in the outlying barn to watch the grass, for they had been so heartily frightened the night that they had slept there that they just could not get over it. But Cinder Lad, he dared to go, and everything happened just the same as on the two previous nights. There were three earthquakes, each worse than the other, and the last flung the boy from one wall of the barn to the other. And then everything suddenly became still. When he had lain quietly a short time, he heard something chewing outside the barn door, and once again he crept to the door, which was slightly ajar, and behold, a horse was standing just outside it, which was much larger and fatter than the two others he had caught. Ho, ho, it is you, then, who eats up our hay this time, thought the boy. But I'll put a stop to that. So once again, using ingenuity, his fire poker and a rope, he made sure the horse could not move. Then the boy mounted it and rode away to the place where he had the two others and went home again. His two brothers mocked him just as they had before and told him that they could see that he must have watched the grass very carefully that night, for he looked just as if he were walking in his sleep. But Cinderlad just told them to go to the field and see. They did, and this time, too, the grass was standing, looking as fine and as thick as ever. Now the king of the country in which Cinder Lad's father dwelt had a daughter. Father and daughter were most devoted to each other, and the princess knew that one day she would marry to please her father as well as herself. 
but she would not wed just anyone, and her father agreed with this wholeheartedly. So the king decided his daughter should only join with whomever could ride up to the top of a glass hill. You see, there was a high, high hill of glass, slippery as ice, and it was close to the king's palace. Upon the very top of this, the king's daughter said she would sit with three gold apples in her lap, and the man who could ride up and take the three golden apples should marry her and have half the kingdom. The king had this proclaimed in every church in his kingdom, and in many other kingdoms too. The princess was very beautiful, and all who saw her fell head over heels in love. So, of course, all the princes and knights were eager to win her, and half the kingdom besides. And for this cause they came riding from the very end of the world, dressed so splendidly that their garments gleamed in the sunshine, and riding on horses which seemed to dance as they went. And there was not one of these princes who did not think he was sure to win the princess. When the day appointed by the king had come, there was such a host of knights and princes under the glass hill that they seemed to swarm, and everyone who could walk or even crawl was there, too, to see who won the king's daughter. Cinderlad's two brothers were there as well, but they would not hear of letting him go with them, for he was so dirty and shabby with sleeping and grubbing among the ashes that they said everyone would laugh at them if they were seen in the company of such an oaf. Well, then, I will go all alone by myself, said Cinderlad. When the two brothers got to the glass hill, all the princes and knights were trying to ride up it, and their horses were doing their best, but it was all in vain, for no sooner did the horses set foot upon the hill than down they slipped, and there was not one which could get even so much as a couple of yards up, which was to be expected, for the hill was as smooth as a glass window pane and as steep as the side of a cliff. But they were all eager to win the king's daughter and half the kingdom. So they rode and they slipped, and thus it went on. Finally, all the horses were so hot and tired that they could do no more, and the riders were forced to give up the attempt. The king was just thinking that he would cause it to be proclaimed that the riding should begin afresh on the following day, when perhaps it might go better, when suddenly a knight came riding up on so fine a horse that no one had ever seen the likes of it before, and the knight had armor of copper, and his bridle was of copper too, and it shone like the sun. 
the other knights called out to him that he might just as well spare himself the trouble, for it was of no use to try. But he did not heed them, and rode straight off to the hill, and went up as if it were nothing at all. Thus he rode for a third of the way up, but at that point he turned his horse around and rode down again. Well, the princess thought she had never yet seen so handsome a knight, and while he was riding up, she was thinking, Oh, how I hope he may be able to come up to the top. And when she saw that he was turning his horse back, she threw one of the golden apples down after him, and it rolled into his shoe. But when he came down from off the hill, he rode away so fast that no one knew what had become of him. So, all of the princes and knights were commanded to present themselves before the king that night, so that he who had ridden so far up the glass hill might show the golden apple which the king's daughter had thrown down. But no one had anything to show. One knight presented himself after another, and none could show the apple. That night, Cinderlad's brothers came home again and had a long story to tell their father and brother about riding up the glass hill. At first, they said, there was not one who was able to get even so much as one step up. But then came a knight who had armor and a bridle of copper, and his trappings were so bright that they shone to a great distance, and it was quite a sight. He rode one-third of the way up the glass hill, and he could easily have ridden the whole of it if he had liked, but he had turned back. Oh, I should have liked to see him too, that I should, said Cinderlad, who was, as usual, sitting by the chimney among the cinders. You, indeed said the brothers. You hardly look as if you were fit to be among such great lords. Nasty beast that you are. Next day, the brothers were for setting out again, and this time, too, Cinderlad begged them to let him go with them and see who rode. But no, for he was much too ugly and dirty. Well, then I will go alone by myself, said Cinderlad. So the brothers went to the glass hill, and all the princes and knights began to ride again. And this time they had taken care to roughen up the shoes of their horses. But that did not help them. They rode and they slipped as they had done the day before and not one of them could get even so far as a yard up the hill. When they had tired out their horses so that they could do no more, they again had to stop. 
But just as the king was thinking of proclaiming that the riding should resume the next day for the last time, he suddenly had a thought. Maybe it would be wise to wait a little longer to see if the knight in copper would come again. And along came a knight, riding on a steed that was much, much finer than that which the knight in copper had ridden. This knight had silver armor that was so bright that he shone and glistened when he was a long way off. Again the other knights tried to warn him off, but he paid no heed and rode straight away to the glass hill and went farther up than the knight in copper had gone. But when he had ridden two-thirds of the way up, he turned his horse around and rode down again. The princess liked this knight even better than she had liked the other, and was longing that he might be able to reach her. When she saw him turning around, she threw the second apple after him, and it rolled into his shoe. And as soon as he had gotten down the glass hill, he rode away so fast that no one could see what became of him. In the evening, when everyone was to appear before the king and princess in order that he who had the golden apple might show it, one knight went in after the other, but none of them had a golden apple. That night the two brothers went home as they had the night before, and told how things had gone and how everyone had ridden, but no one had been able to get up the hill. But last of all, they said, came one in silver armor, and he had a silver bridle on his horse, and a silver saddle, and oh, could he ride! He took his horse two-thirds of the way up the hill, but then he turned back. He was a fine fellow said the brothers, and the princess threw the second golden apple to him. Once again Cinderlad said he wished he could have seen it, and his brothers made fun of him. On the third day everything went just as on the former days. Cinderlad wanted to go with them to watch, but the two brothers would not let him, and when they got to the glass hill, there was no one who could ride even so far as a yard up, and everyone waited for the knight in silver armor. But he was nowhere in sight. At long last came a knight riding upon a horse that was such a fine one, its equal had never yet been seen. The knight had golden armor and the horse a golden saddle and bridle, and these were all so bright that they shone and dazzled everyone. The other princes and knights were not even able to call to tell him how useless it was to try to ascend the hill. So amazed were they at the sight of his magnificence. He rode straight to the glass hill and galloped up it as if it were no hill at all. 
so that the princess had not even time to wish that he might get up the whole way. As soon as he had ridden to the top, he took the third golden apple from the lap of the princess, then turned his horse about and rode down again and vanished from their sight before anyone could say a word to him. When the two brothers came home again at night, they had much to tell of how the riding had gone off that day, and at last they told about the knight in the golden armor. He was a fine fellow, he was. Such another splendid knight is not to be found on earth. Oh, how I should have liked to see him, too, said Cinder Lad. Well, he shone nearly as brightly as the coal heaps that you are always lying raking among. Dirty, filthy creature that you are, said the brothers. Next day, all the knights and princes were to appear before the king and princess. It had been too late for them to do it the night before, in order that he who had the golden apple might produce it. They all went in turn, first princes and then knights, but none of them had a golden apple. But somebody must have it, said the king, for with our own eyes we all saw a man ride up and take it. So he commanded that everyone in the kingdom should come to the palace and see if he could show the apple. And one after the other they all came, but no one had the golden apple. And after a long, long time, Cinderlad's two brothers came as well. They were the last of all, so the king asked them if there was no one else in the kingdom left to come. Oh, yes, we have a brother, said the two but he never got the golden apple. He never left the cinder heap on any of the three days. Never mind that, as everyone else has come to the palace. Let him come too. So Cinder Lad was forced to go to the king's palace. Hast thou the golden apple? asked the king. Yes, here is the first. And here is the second, and here is the third, too, said Cinder Lad, and he took all three apples out of his pocket, and with that pulled off his sooty rags, and appeared there before them in his bright golden armor, which gleamed as he stood. Thou shalt have my daughter, and the half of my kingdom and thou hast well earned both, said the king. So there was a wedding, and Cinderlad married the king's daughter, and everyone celebrated at the wedding, for all of them could make merry, though they could not ride up the glass hill. And if they have not left off their merry-making, they're probably at it still.
<laughs> and with that, and a very definite happily ever after, I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>